The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. guys welcome to the untamed and unashamed podcast this is a place where together we can navigate through life's ups and downs with all of the vulnerability compassion and openness that we can muster along with the help of guests from all walks of life we'll discover new truths while doing some unlearning and we'll gain valuable tools for becoming who we already are while also uncovering our divine gifts I'm Jade Bryce, and I'm so grateful that you're here. Our guest today has become pretty popular on Instagram as Diary of an Honest Mom. Through being very untamed and unashamed in her parenting and being honest about how being a mom is hard and reminding other moms that it's normal to feel that way. She tells stories about her motherhood journey, her mental health, and her trauma so that we can all feel a little less alone in ours. She talks about how motherhood can fill you up and empty you at the same time and how there isn't really words to explain that feeling. She's proud to be an imperfect mom. She's a self-proclaimed recovering perfectionist, anti-mom shamer, boundary setter, mental health advocate, and generational cycle breaker who doesn't take herself too seriously. She is all about talking about the hard things and being vulnerable so that we can break shame patterns and connect women to one another and themselves in meaningful ways. She's here to change the narrative on what it means to be a good mom and remind you that taking care of your kid's mom is just as important as taking care of your kids. She teaches peace over perfection, grace over guilt, connection over comparison, and support over shame giving us daily reminders that we've got this. Please help me welcome Libby Ward to Untamed and Unashamed. Hi. How are you? I'm so thankful to have you on today. Um, Your Instagram has removed so much shame and guilt from my parenting. And uh, I know that at times it can probably feel like your page... um, is like meant for laughter almost because it is it's so funny it, I mean it adds so much humor to my day but it really is medicine as well because before I came across your page I would get in these downward spirals especially around the overstimulation and you were the first one I ever saw talk about that like before you I thought I was the only one and I just thought there was something wrong with me or that I was a bad mom and I remember the first time I came across your page I sent the video it was about almost a year ago, I sent the video to a friend. And she was like, Oh, that's so sad. I've never felt that way towards my kids. And then it just like put me back in that in that loop of like, dang it, like, why, why am I like this? Um, But then, you know, that's, you really have changed the narrative for me through just constantly seeing your reminders. So I'm so thankful. Oh, thank you. That means a lot. That means yeah. that's why I have the page, right? I use humor to like open up the door to have hard conversations yeah. where nobody else is talking about. And yeah. uh, if it was always doom and gloom, that would be depressing. So we got to yeah. laugh about it, but also like get rid of the shame that so many of us carry over it. So that, yeah. means that you said that. So thanks. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sure there's so many moms too that um, are going through postpartum or, you know, 
haven't received some diagnosis, but they know that like something just doesn't feel right. And they, I'm sure that your page has been a breath of fresh air for them. So I'm so thankful. And I'm, I'd love to hear how that journey started, like how you became the honest mom and, and uh, really what brought you to feeling like that was the way that you wanted to use your social media, your journey of, of parenthood that brought you to knowing that who moms, moms need this, this truth and this rewriting of the narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'd love to share that. I have been a mom for nearly eight years now. My daughter's almost eight. Um, and I, while I love being a mom, did not expect it to be what it was. And I felt like a lot of that came from the fact that nobody was really honest about what it felt like and the emotional experiences that we went through and the transformation formation that we go through when we become moms and what it brings up about our past and what it brings up about our coping mechanisms or lack thereof. And I genuinely believe that if I had had more information about it, I might've coped a little bit better or I might not have felt nearly as much shame. When I first became a mom, I was a perfectionist. So after growing up in a really traumatic household and volatile household, I really didn't want that for my family. So I, while I didn't have someone to look to, a mom to look to for an example of what that was, I then looked to social media and my friendship groups who were all in these lovely little middle class um, families with supportive families and you know, the white picket fence and all of that. And I looked to all these people and I was like, well, I have to be like that. Right. And so I looked to social media and like, saw these like perfectly posed pictures. And I looked to my friends who cooked every meal from scratch and their houses were always cleaned and they never complained about motherhood. And I looked to all these different people and I tried to like attain what they had and like, not a little bit of everyone, like all of it. Mm -hmm. And I was really a perfectionist and I was able to maintain it for a little while, only having one child um, who was pretty straightforward. And then when I had my second child, everything completely fell apart. I not only was going from having just a toddler to a toddler and a newborn baby, but my baby wouldn't eat. He wouldn't breastfeed. He wouldn't bottle feed. He cried every time I fed him. He never ate enough. He lost weight. And then because he wasn't full, he never slept. So for a year, I didn't sleep for more than two hours at a time. Mm-hmm. And I lost what little support I had in my circle. And so my mental health just tanked, like completely tanked. I was overstimulated. I was exhausted. I didn't know what I was doing. It became increasingly clear that I was never taught emotional regulation. I was never taught how to deal with stressful situations. I didn't have anyone to lean on. And I was surrounded by people who seemed to be keeping it all together. And so I felt a lot of shame about that. And it was really hard. My son ended up having a speech condition, which then explained why he couldn't eat for the first few years. And so then he also didn't talk. And so we dealt with a lot of issues um, with like tantrums and frustrations that he had from not being able to communicate for three and a half years. Mm-hmm. He didn't really start talking till he was about three and a half. Um, and they were the hardest three and a half years of my life with a baby and a toddler and not being able to eat or sleep or talk. And it was, it was so, so hard. And I felt so alone and I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it because nobody else in my life seemed to have the same struggles as I did. So he turned three and a half, uh, Christmas 2019. And then three months later, a pandemic hit. And so around that time, he started talking more. Things got easier with him. We were all at home in a pandemic, and I heard of this app called TikTok. And so I joined TikTok, and I quickly fell in love with it, became very addicted to the authenticity and relatability of that form of social media and how people were really just being honest about things they were going through. And there seemed to be moms there who were talking about all the things that I've been wanting to talk about for years, but felt so much shame about and I really found my place there and shared my story of like um becoming an imperfect mother and being and owning being imperfect and and owning that my story isn't the same as everyone else's and talking about hard things and I was funny and then and then eventually I was like you know what let's talk about hard things and so I did that on TikTok for nearly a year um started in March, 2020. And then in the fall, there was all these rumors TikTok was going to get shut down. And so Mm -hmm. 
everyone was like, well, you got to make an Instagram account so you don't lose your community. And I thought, I hate Instagram. <laughs> I don't like the perfect pictures. I don't like I feel shame when I go on Instagram and they are, you know, Instagram is one of the reasons that I felt so bad about myself as a mother, that I didn't have this aesthetic, that I didn't have this perfect life, that I didn't have all these different things that were being portrayed on my feed. Um, but I made the account just because I didn't want to lose my people and I didn't have any expectations of it. And then in January of 2021, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to post all my old TikToks, all my old stuff. I don't care who sees it. I didn't know what was normal growth. I didn't know what was like to be expected. I had never even heard the word influencer. Like I had no intentions other than let's share it and see if we can reach people like we did on TikTok. And I grew 10,000 followers a month until the wow. summer and 20, 30, 40, 50. And then it doubled over the summer. I was at 100 in September. And I was going to start um, my master's program to become a teacher in September. And a week before I was like, nope, this is what I meant to do. And so I gave up, gave that up. Um, even though I had finished my undergraduate degree over the pandemic, thinking I was going to become a teacher, I gave it up and I was like, we're going to do this full time. And so I haven't looked back since September. It's now been what, six, seven months. And this is what I do full time now. And I love connecting with women every day and getting rid of the shame and the guilt that a lot of us feel over the the hard things that we deal with. So yeah. it's, been, it's been a journey and it's a joy every day to do what I do. Yeah. Well, it's grown that fast because it's so needed and there's not much of it out there. Um, and yeah, I, when my son was born, um, he had a rough circumcision and uh, like something happened wrong. And so every time he peed, he would be in excruciating pain. So he wasn't sleeping more than 45 minutes a night. And I was in a toxic relationship at the time. And that was something that I wasn't aware of the risks of circumcision, but that it being circumcision, which is such a polarizing topic was something I didn't feel like I could find support with or talk to people about because either it was, why would you circumcise him? Like, do you know all the reasons why you're not supposed to circumcise? Or it was, oh yeah, we didn't circumcise because, you know, and it was like either way I couldn't find um, like this feeling of support. It was just more shame or guilt either way on top of not sleeping more than 45 minutes a night and getting to the point of hallucinating. And so, and then also feeling like, man, I don't even, it doesn't even seem like I'm going to end up with his father. There was just, there was this huge downward spiral and. um also, another part of parenting that I feel like um, was a part of my journey that I know a lot of other moms have brought up is that when your child is a certain age, it tends to trigger the trauma from that age in your own life. And so I'd love to talk about, and, and sometimes not only just the trauma from that age, but I know my close friend who has a teenage son, she more is just like, I guess, feeling the pain of not having the childhood she's giving him and so she's glad to be giving it to him but while also grieving the childhood that she didn't have and mm -hmm. so I'd love to talk about facing how our childhood shapes us as not only people but as parents yeah yeah I would I love talking about that yeah, <laughs> yeah I you know I knew that my childhood was different and difficult and that I had experienced you know neglect and, and trauma before I became a parent. Um, but because I put up this facade of perfectionism and I have my life together and look at how good I've done considering where I came from and I'm doing fine, it hit me like a ton of bricks when I became a parent mm -hmm. that it was a facade. And that even though I was functioning to everyone else and even though I looked like I had my life together inside, I had not healed. And inside, I hadn't addressed a lot of the things that happened to me. And inside, I didn't know all of the hard, difficult, complex emotions I was going to have through having children. And through that, you know, seeing your child and thinking, I would do anything to keep you safe and love you and give you this beautiful life. And then all of a sudden seeing it from a mother's perspective of like, okay, but then how was my mom able to do the things that happened to me? Like that doesn't make any sense because the love that I feel for my child is so different and I can't even imagine that. And then, so it just, it just went from this like, oh, these bad things happened to me to, well, how could you do that as a mother? no sense yeah and, and then you know different things in our kids triggering us and the things they do and the things they say and 
And yeah, it's almost like this like jealousy of, of course, we want to do things for our kids to make their lives better than what we had, but it's still facing, wow, I never had that. And I never will have that. And that's hard. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that growing up, I had comments made to me of similar things. Oh, well, when I was growing up, blah, 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 you know, different comments that, and it would make me feel guilty that my life was better than, you know, my mom's life or things like that. Mm -hmm. And so when I had kids and I started to have those feelings, it became increasingly clear to me that I needed to face them and face them with myself and with a therapist and with the right person. Because I knew that if I didn't do that and I didn't do the work and I didn't try and heal that part of me, that I was going to do exactly what happened to me and deflect it onto my kids and then make them feel bad and make them feel guilty for things that have nothing to do with them really, you know? And so it became really important to me to really heal things inside of myself. So I don't pass it down to my kids. And that's just one aspect of it. You know, there's so many different aspects of things, ways that I've become that are unhealthy that I need to work on so that I'm not just like carrying that down the line to my kids. Yeah. It's interesting how that happens. Like I um, feel that me and my mom healed our relationship in my early twenties. And then when I got pregnant with my son at 29 and gave birth to him, it reopened so much pain and wounding to where my mom's presence would just trigger me. And it's, I felt so guilty in that too, because I didn't want to punish her for something that was decades ago, but it was like, it just, I, it was what you said. Like I knew, oh man, I have so much to heal. Otherwise my relationship with her is going to be awful. And my relationship with my kids, they're going to feel this from me. I think. Also, I had this fear, a bit of anger towards my mom, but also fear of myself that I was going to inevitably traumatize them in some way because it was what was done to me. And like if I was because my mom was so violent and so was my dad, if that was how I was shown to deal with things, Mm -hmm. it was like I was so scared that one day I was just going to snap and I was going to lose it. And so I had this like overwhelming fear, which really drove me into self-healing work as well. But um, it was it was really hard to deal with the anger in the midst of that of um, not being modeled something different while also trying to not be in the victim state and be in the, okay, but I can, I can, you know, change this. I can shape the future for my kids. And that is my responsibility and the control that I do have. Right. And getting the energy to do that when you're sleeping 45 minutes a night. Yeah. (laughs) Right. It's so complex. It's not, you know, we talk about all these things in a compartmentalized way, I find Mm -hmm. where, you know, there's mental health over here and there's trauma over here and there's new motherhood over here but they're all connected, right? Like we can't focus on our mental health if we literally don't have the energy to do things. Right. And we can't focus on healing our trauma if we're not addressing our mental health and we can't be the parents we want to be if we have our trauma. And so they really, that's what, you know, in my bio, it, it says like motherhood, trauma and mental health. And to some people, they might think, oh, those things aren't related, but they're so related, you know? And, and, getting healing like from our trauma and breaking the cycle of trauma is so hard because I know for me before I became a mom I wasn't angry I I wasn't I was like I actually prided myself on the fact that I didn't have a rage problem and that I was calm and that Mm. you and didn't yell each at each other and uh, I felt at peace in a lot of situations in my life and I had said well I forgive my mom and I felt so peaceful and so it shocked me especially after my second born how angry I was at the world at everyone I was angry at my husband that he got to go to work I was angry at my friends with older kids because they were more independent I was angry at my friends without kids because they didn't have babies I was angry at my friends who had babies who actually slept I was angry at my toddler for still needing me I was angry at my baby for not eating I was angry at myself for being angry at everyone like I literally was a ball of rage towards everyone and everything in my life and it was terrifying because I'd never felt that angry before mm-hmm. and I know how to address it and I didn't know where to put it and I didn't know anyone else who talked about it and so I where did I go you're your mom you became exactly what you didn't want to become you thought that you escaped it you thought that you would 
you know, come to this place in your life that is calm and different and not volatile and all these different things. And here you are feeling exactly how it was for you growing up. And so that was really hard to face and accept that I still had so much work to do, Mm -hmm. but also not layering the guilt on of, well, you haven't done the work and you have so much work to do, like in a guilty way, just in a, okay, this is happening. This is real. What do I do now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know that for my mother, it was my experience of her is that she was just always stressed out. And I had this idea that because I knew I would love my kids so much that I would just snap into this fun, loving, really present, really peaceful, really calm, really just affectionate mother because of because my love would be enough to change that about me. But you know, then of course I had a difficult relationship with their father. Um, Finances were hard and I had two C-sections 12 months apart with both of them. So I was breastfeeding two kids at once also. And I just, I was the stressed out mother that I thought I would never be. And so I would love to talk about ways to deal with mom guilt, because I know um, you talk about an alternative take on the those first few years as well. And I know for me, I, I also hold so much guilt that I was stressed out in those years instead and that I wasn't soaking it in. And also that I was exhausted. I just wanted to sleep. I wasn't the mom that was like waking up in the morning that was so wonderful to see right away. I was so groggy and so tired. And um, now, you know, they're six and seven and I love that they can wipe their own butts and that they can read even their own books and all of that stuff. And then I also get in these moments of wishing I could redo those baby years while knowing also I would probably feel stressed out if I went back. Yeah. Um, so I would love to weigh about, love to talk about ways to deal with the mom guilt. Cause I think that's so heavy on so many parents, so many moms. Yeah. I think what you said about expecting that your love would be enough mm-hmm. is so true and so relatable I am a fun person. <laughs> like, I feel like I want to yell that to my kids. Like, I promise I'm fun. Because like before I had kids, like I'm the fun person who does like weird and awkward and silly things. And I just thought that's going to be the mom I am. Like yeah. all the kids are going to want to hang out with me. Like I'm just going to be a joy to be around. And me so too. when that wasn't me, I was like, oh my goodness, like this is not what I expected, you know? Um, and so, yeah, again, the guilt. And so, you know, in the therapy that I've done, I would say guilt and shame are two of the biggest topics that I've had to work on. And of course, you know, there's anger and there's sadness and there's resentment and jealousy and those things. But at the core of those and layered on top of those is guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Something my therapist has really worked with me on is, okay, so you feel, say, resentful that, you know, your best friend has a supportive mom who is there to offer guidance and to take her kids when she's having a meltdown and, you know, X, Y, Z, you're feeling resentment. Um, But you're also feeling guilty and you feeling bad about yourself that you're resenting her. Mm -hmm. And that makes it at least doubly as worse. So you're not dealing with the resentment and the jealousy, but then there's the guilt on top of it. Mm -hmm. It makes it so much worse. It's almost this idea of like stepping outside of ourselves and looking down at it and saying, Oh, look it you're feeling angry about that, or you're feeling resentful about that. Okay, feel that feeling and then move on to the next thing as opposed to, oh, you now need to feel bad about yourself for being angry or feel mm-hmm. bad about yourself for not being the mom you want to be or feel bad about yourself for, for different things. Um, and so I've had to do a lot of work on not feeling guilty for having emotions. And at the core of that is this radical acceptance that we're supposed to have negative emotions. And that negative emotions are a part of the human experience. Yeah. From birth until death, we will feel negative emotions. We are going to feel jealous and we are going to feel angry and we are going to feel exhausted. And we are going to have moments where we're like, I wish my kids were somewhere else right now. I wish I was somewhere else right now. And this understanding that those are normal feelings to, you know, to a degree, of course, you know, there, there's unhealthy things we need help for, but it's mm-hmm to feel negative feelings mm-hmm. and it's not necessary to feel bad about ourselves or to label ourselves as bad moms yeah. simply because we have negative feelings about things and you know when you look at like 
is that Maslow's hierarchy of needs where like, you know, our need for sleep and our need for food and our need for, there's, you know, the most important things that we need to have in our lives in order for anything else to feel important or for us to achieve any other goals or us to do anything. We physically and biologically need rest and we need sustenance. We need food. You know, we, we, there's all these things that we need. And if we don't have them, literally nothing else feels like it matters because when you feel like you're starving or you're so tired, you can't function then nothing else does matter. And having a logical understanding of, oh, it's normal that I can't find joy in anything else because I am starving and the food that I made my kid, they're throwing on the floor and I haven't slept in a week. Like having the logical understanding of, oh, this is a normal feeling. Like it's normal for me to be angry right now that I don't eat. It's normal for me to feel sad that I haven't slept all night and now my kids are playing with my husband in the yard and I want to be able to do that but I don't have the energy to do that because I didn't sleep like it's normal to have those feelings and so for me part of working through my mom guilt has been to really like tap into accepting that negative emotions are a part of our experience Mm -hmm. uh, accepting that it's okay that we have those and then not attaching a label to myself because I have negative emotions and of course like the the mom guilt is still there but um it's not so much that we're attaching everything to our worth and and the type of mom that we are it's no secret that shame free sex and pleasure are powerful avenues to deeper connections and an overall sense of well-being and accessible expertly designed toys can play a big part in getting you there and making you feel more alive. Dame is leading a sexual wellness revolution as a women powered resource for game changing pleasure products and supportive content. Started by a sex educator and an engineering whiz, Dame develops her products based on research and feedback from people like you. They're making better sexual experiences and more pleasure available to all. Dame's easy-to-use toys and accessories are made with body-safe, doctor-approved materials and smart design principles, and they've earned glowing praise from the New York Times, the Today Show, and many more including me. Whether you're looking to shake things up with your partner or upgrade your self-care routine, they've got something for every nightstand. Even better, Dame offers three-year warranties and hassle-free returns within 60 days, so your satisfaction is literally guaranteed. And I will guarantee you satisfaction because I use their products myself. They're amazing. My favorite one is their suction toy, I call it the clit sucker, but it's uh, spelt A-E-R. It's called AIR. It's a powerful arousal tool for fans of oral stimulation. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around your clitoris so you can go all the way right away. Guys, I have like eight to 10 orgasms almost every time I use it. I use it during sex and in my own pleasure practice. You will not be disappointed. They're also sending me a bunch of their other products, so I'll keep you updated. But as of right now, this one's my favorite, and I highly recommend it. Go to dameproducts.com and use code JADE today for 15% off your order with Dame. Now on with the show. I know um, with the lack of sleep, you talked about, um, you've talked before about how lack of sleep causes so much rage. And I know for me, I cannot regulate myself with even... I, it sounds spoiled, but even like two hours less of sleep, I can't regulate myself. I'm not dependent on sleep. And that is the times that I will end up yelling and then feeling awful about it or the times that I experience rage. And so I, I know also you talked about your postpartum. For you, the main symptom was rage. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mine was as well. It was rage, stress, and depression. Um, so I'd love to hear about what are some tips for moms that are going through postpartum depression right now? Like what is, what is the, the tip you wish you had in the midst of all of that? I struggled really badly with postpartum depression and I wish that I knew that rage was a symptom of that and that it wasn't a separate experience that Mm -hmm. rage is and can be a part of our 
postpartum depression. I wasn't somebody who cried all the time. I was someone who was mad at the world. Yeah. And so I, I would just like to normalize that experience because I talk to women every single day who tell me that that's their experience too. So it's not just me and it's not just you. Yeah. It's a lot of women experience that and there's a lot of shame that comes with it, which is why we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. So on the topic of shame, I would say that my tip would be to talk to somebody mm-hmm. and to not hide how you're feeling and to not mask how you're feeling and to not try and pretend that everything is more okay than it actually is because that's just going to perpetuate the cycle and make you feel worse for longer yes. some of the most healing things that have happened for me have been in moments of sharing vulnerably with others what I'm going through yeah. and letting them go oh I experienced that too and it literally feels like a weight is coming off of you when you can find even one other person that says oh yeah I dealt with that too it doesn't be on a platform on Instagram or TikTok or a big platform can be with a trusted person in your life where you really take that awkward first step of vulnerability and share what's going on it's a really beautiful thing yeah and you know, I know not everybody has access to a therapist, but if you do, if you have coverage for something like that, see a therapist. Mm-hmm. Do do research on medications that you can go on. I think there's a lot of stigma still around medication and we've come a long way, but I will say for absolute certain, I, I started um, medication for ADHD in the last few months. And it has literally changed my life mm. person. And I see the world through a different set of eyes um, while being on it. And so all to say, there's so many different tools that we can, you know, reach out to things that we can do. You don't have to do all of them. You just start with somewhere and see, see what works for you. But you know, if you, if you are not sleeping enough, if we just talk about sleep in and of itself, Mm-hmm. is one of the biggest contributors to postpartum depression yeah. so you can go to all the therapy you want and take all the medication you want and talk to all the friends you want but if you're sleeping in one hour increments and you haven't had a full night's rest in weeks or months or years like it's going to be really really hard and so normalize talking to your partner if you have a partner about getting enough rest valuing the need for rest and not feeling guilty for needing it. We shouldn't feel guilty for a biological need that we're born with. You have a biological need for rest and for sleep. And there is on no planet (laughs) should you feel guilty for needing enough sleep, especially when you're the main caregiver for a little human that you created that needs you to feel okay. Yeah. So, you know, really advocate for, you know, in your support system for getting that rest. Don't Mm -hmm. be ashamed reaching out for help and um give yourself grace too you know you're allowed to have negative feelings it's not supposed to be this beautiful experience from start to finish every moment of the day yeah yeah and part of that healing journey of talking about the shame and the guilt and really digging into uh the trauma as well that all comes up I think for me, it's like a catch 22 because I get so into actively healing myself so that I can give them a better parent and a better life that then I feel like I'm missing out on this moment because I'm so focused on the healing, you know? So like, it's, for me, it feels like, um, I compartmentalize it. Like you said, we, we so often do. Um, and, um, going back to the sleep and how that will end up being when I yell, that is when I have, because I, I feel like that's my biggest flaw in parenting is when I lose my cool. Like I'm, especially considering where I came from, I feel like I'm a damn good parent, but I lose my cool and I yell. And that's when I feel so awful because I feel like, um, I like I probably yelled because they threw a tantrum, but then I'm throwing a tantrum too, you know, like that's basically what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, so I'd love to discuss gentle parenting and maybe if you have any thoughts on, um, on the yelling, why we yell or what to do after we yell, I know the repair is so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I have yelled at my kids and it is always when I feel the most shame yeah. after I yelled at my kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, for all the reasons you just said, knowing that you're doing the exact same thing you want them to stop doing, knowing that they're a human being 
not they're not just a baby, a child, a toddler. They're a human being, and and their experience of what we do and how we treat them is important, and it does matter. All of those things, you know, knowing that that's what happened to me as a child, and that's what hurt me the most, mm-hmm. you know, it really induces a lot of shame. I think one of the most beautiful things about our generation of parents is our ability to recognize our imperfections and our humanness to show humility and to apologize to our kids. I didn't receive one apology growing up. Yeah. And I feel like our parents' generation really felt and were socialized and treated as if and believed that they had to appear as if they were perfect and the adult and the parent and the right one all the time. That is what they were all doing. And so like, you know, I believe they genuinely thought like, if we show a crack or if we show that like we're imperfect, then we might, you know, like lose control of our kids or whatever it is. Right? And it reflects on them. Yeah. And, and exactly. And it reflects on them. And we are so lucky that we have so many resources now. And so, you know, tips and people that we can turn to for help. And we know the value of an apology and the value of humility and in showing that our our children that we're human and that we make mistakes and apologizing and letting them know that yes, mommy yelled, mommy yelled because she is imperfect and she's tired and she's stressed out. And then even having that knowledge of like, oh, my mom isn't just a mom. She's a human person with biological needs. And oh, she is tired. And that knowledge of it and normalizing apologizing. Mm-hmm. How better to teach our children to apologize Wow, they hurt people than for the their own mom to apologize to them when we feelings you know so I think it's a really beautiful thing that we can apologize to our kids and it really builds that connection with them mm-hmm. and I will say yeah well there's only so many times I you know you can apologize at some point I have to stop right at mm-hmm. some point, like it's not enough just to apologize and I and I feel that you know every time we yell we feel so bad about ourselves but there is absolute beauty in that the number of people in our generation who say I never once heard my mom apologize mm-hmm are owning our mistakes saying this was wrong I know I did it but I also know that it was wrong and this is what I'm gonna do to fix it and like you said it's the repair it's not just oh I'm sorry I yelled or I'm sorry I yelled you shouldn't have done that it's I'm sorry I yelled yelling is not an appropriate response to feeling angry or frustrated I feel Mm -hmm. frustrated what are ways that you you know talking to your kid what are ways that you know you or I could deal with our anger and frustration other than yelling and working that through with them, you know, and so that when they are then angry, they can go to their toolbox and say, this is what I can do to regulate myself. And you can also do that. And then you can let them know, like, I am legitimately working on this. We are right. It's not just about yell, apologize, yell, Mm -hmm. apologize. It's yell, apologize. What tools are working? What tools aren't working? Where can we go back to? And it. And I always say the guilt that we feel over yelling and things like that doesn't help because we only have so much time and capacity, right? So if we spend this much capacity on the guilt and the shame over the negative action, that time and capacity is spent on guilt rather than healing, right? Mm-hmm. If we take that amount of time or energy and put it into okay, what can I do next time? As opposed to I'm the worst, I'm a bad mom, I'm ruining my kids, I'm just like my mom, they're going to hate me when they grow up, this is the worst, I'm modeling bad behavior. That thought process becomes, I really screwed up, I shouldn't have yelled at them, mm-hmm. I apologize to them, what should I do next time? Yeah. You know, because mm-hmm. we only have so much time and energy capacity for mental health and cycle breaking yeah. and all those things. So why waste it on the guilt? Yeah. Why our limited capacity and time on guilt when we can be using it to actually spark change in our parenting and what we do and how we react. Yeah. I think it's so huge. The piece about talking about regulation and our responsibility in it, because I can remember the only time one of my parents apologized, we were, I remember they had um, been really violent that morning. And then we went to church And we were sitting in the church pew and my parent leaned over and whispered in my ear, sometimes after I beat you, I want to kill myself. And that did not feel like an apology that if anything, that made me feel so much worse because I felt like it's my fault that they get to the point of beating me. And then now they want to die. 
And so it's so important the way we apologize that we also don't make it their fault. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for sharing that. I'm really sorry that that happened, first of all. I know sometimes when I talk about my own trauma, it can be so easy to come out of my mouth. And other people are like, wow, I can't believe that happened. And so I just want to take a moment and say thank you for sharing that. That Thank you. Yeah. And I, I know that part of the way that I've become as an adult is I always feel responsible for the people around me and their emotions mm-hmm. and their regulation and like, are they okay? And are they going to be mad at me? And all those things. And that comes from similar things to what you just described, you know, a lifelong experience of a parent, a caregiver, making you feel like you are the one that's responsible yeah. for all their feelings, for making them happy, for making them sad, for making them angry, for making them yell, for making them hit you, for making them lose their career, for making them not have friends. You know, when when we make our children feel like our well-being is their responsibility, mm-hmm. not only damaging and traumatizing in childhood, but they grow up to be adults who are people pleasers and think that they need to earn everybody's love around them. And that I know I'm not speaking about you, but myself and that, and it takes a long time to work through. And so how we apologize matters. Mm-hmm. Not, I'm sorry. You shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. I told you five times and I had to yell because nothing else was working it. Yeah. Sorry this is what was happening. And inside my body, I did not feel okay. And I yelled and I know that that's not the right thing to do. Yeah. You don't deserve for me to yell at you, even if I'm upset about something, that's not something you deserve. And it's not your job. Yeah. Yeah. And I know Peter Levine talks about with um, complex PTSD that it's the things that lead to complex PTSD is when there's constant ruptures and no repairs. So I know that's such an important piece. So thank you for talking about that with me. Um, I know that um, we both lost, um, I know that you went through grief this year with the loss of a parent and I did as well with um, my adopted father. And I remember the only way I could parent that month was a bunch of TV. And me just being able to lay there next to them while they watched it. So I would love to talk about um, ways to parent while coping with grief or when that depression hits, because that can also blindside us as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I will just say that almost all the topics we've talked about today, I have blog posts on. So if anyone wants more more information about any of this stuff, um, head over to my website. I'm sure we can link it. And there's a lot of resources on there. I wrote about my experience with grieving while parenting. Mm-hmm. It is so hard because it knocks you over and knocks you on your butt. And it's so hard to be like, I want to feel my feelings, but I have humans who are relying on me for love and nurturing and care and food and all of those things. And for me, the biggest thing I had to do was just lower all of my expectations and then just lower them again. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what do they need? They need to eat and they need to sleep and they need to know that I love them. Mm -hmm. They they don't need to go to their soccer game. They don't need to, there's not, there's so many things that they don't actually absolutely need. And in this time, I need to feel like I have a chance to grieve and a chance to be sad and a chance to feel my feelings. And if that means that they watch TV all day, that means they watch TV all day because they're safe and they're loved and they're fed. Mm -hmm. You know, it really just goes down to bare bones parenting and just normalizing that. And I was the same as you TV on most of the day Mm -hmm. and, and letting people help when they wanted to help Mm -hmm. and not, to be okay. I did a lot of work in therapy over the last 10 years. Again, like I said, of letting myself feel my feelings. And so I think that helped me in my grief period because I said, you know what, this actually was hard and this actually is sad. And I'm actually allowed to be angry about these different things. And I'm going to let myself feel those feelings instead of saying, oh, I shouldn't feel like this. I'm lucky that I had this many years. Oh, I shouldn't feel like this. I'm lucky I still have my kids or, you know, the whole idea of the toxic positivity and always mm-hmm. looking at the right side or pretending things aren't happening. It's really allowing yourself and giving yourself space and time to feel the things you need to feel and knowing that that is a blip in your children's life. It is, it is a blip. Are my kids going to remember? 
when they grow up and they're going to be like, well, the month after mom's dad died, we watched TV for a month. Number one, they're either not going to remember or they're going to be like, that was the best month. <laughs> I actually, my kid did say that as I, that comes out of my mouth. That's funny. It was like a month, a month or six weeks after my dad died. And like, we had watched so much TV. They had multiple sleepovers. Like my aunt took them for a night. My friends took them for a night. All these random sleepovers they don't normally get. And at one point, my daughter was just like, this month has been so much fun. <laughs> sleepovers. And we watched so much TV and eaten so much McDonald's. I'm like, it's so funny because here I was being like, man, like I've really not parented this month. Yeah. It's been survival. And here they're like, this is the best. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and I think that that is funny that's exactly what my kids would do I think that um a big piece of that of them also like letting us letting them see us grieve and feel all of our emotions is that we're not raising perfectionists and we're not passing on that trauma as well and we're allowing for all emotions and I think also I I laughed you had a post about how um you know, we can get annoyed with our partner when they show any annoyance with the children. And so it's like, I, I was laughing that like, oh yeah, we kind of like pass that perfectionism onto our partner too, even with the children, which is where we're struggling. Um, so I loved it because I didn't even notice I did that till you said yeah. that. Is that deflecting, right? Like how dare you act in the ways that I'm trying so hard not to act? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you have my shadow? Yeah. Yes, yeah, exactly. So I have one more question before the lightning round to close off the show. And um, it's basically about overstimulation. So I've been actively he healing my complex PTSD for almost 10 years now. Um, I'm also on the spectrum. And then I'm pretty sure I have ADHD. I've never, um, I was told as a, as a kid, but I've never tested as an adult. Um, so with all three of those, I constantly feel overstimulated and I know you speak to this a lot. Um, and like I said, at the top of the show, before you spoke about it, I didn't think that this was normal at all. And I also just, it's made it feel this entire time of parenting as if parenting isn't natural for me because at times just simple touch or sound can like jolt my nervous system. And I don't want my children to feel that from me. And um, so I, I would love to talk about tools on how to deal with the overstimulation, especially when you have things like complex PTSD or you're on the spectrum or you struggle with or have um, ADHD. Mm -hmm. I would love to talk about that. It was Mother's Day a few days ago and mm -hmm. brought home one of those pages that was like an all about me for my mom. Yep. Yeah. They're so cute. They're my favorite. I'm 58. Yeah. yeah. What does mommy like? Mommy likes it when it's quiet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're right, honey. Mommy does like it when it's quiet. Mommy feels calm. <laughs> mommy doesn't go into fight or flight mode when it's quiet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, overstimulation is one of those things that nobody talks about that we haven't even really had a word for for a long time mm -hmm. and that most moms feel at one point or another. Even without complex trauma, ADHD, autism, neurodivergencies, we all have a certain capacity for sensory stimuli. So mm -hmm. that's sound, that's touch, that's all these different things. All of us have that. As moms, just about every one of us have what we call the mental load. All the things we're thinking about all the time, the email you need to send, the appointment you need to book, the groceries you need to pick up, all of those things. And I like to talk about those things as the noise inside of our heads, right? Mm -hmm. So that's already like a stimulation of like, these things are already happening. So you take that and then if we could talk about you know, the trauma aspect of it, where, you know, if you grow up in a household that's volatile and yelling always equaled anger and always equaled a situation where you felt unsafe, mm. the trauma in and of itself is that when loud noises happen, you legitimately feel unsafe and your nervous system goes into fight or flight mode. Mm. So it has absolutely nothing to do with being a bad parent. It has everything to do with our biological response to this feels unsafe yeah and sometimes the best ways to get out of an unsafe situation are what to scream mm -hmm. that's tell our children you know if you're in an unsafe situation if you get lost what should you do you should scream and so 
it is natural to like, right? Like to feel over. So there's the overstimulation, there's the trauma, the neurodivergencies as someone with ADHD, sound feels louder to me. Yeah. A hearing impairment, sound feels louder. Layered sound, uh, my husband talking, the kids talking and the TV on sends me into an oblivion. Yeah. Trying to cook a meal while thinking about the plan for tomorrow. And so it seems, you know, like nothing's happening. My husband asked me a question. It just sends me or a loud noise happens and like something falls down. It sends me like I cannot handle it. Um, and so all to say, even if you don't have ADHD or a neurodivergency or a trauma, you can still get overstimulated with the noise in your head and the noise outside. But then when we do have those other things, it makes it so much harder. Mm -hmm. And so I think accepting that that is a part of our reality and that that is a part of the human experience and the motherhood experience, you know, we are around some of the loudest environments consistently loud while we're trying to do other tasks. So Mm -hmm. it's accepting that and then going, okay, now that I've accepted that is a problem that's normal, I still need to do things to help myself. (laughs) What do I do? What do I do? Um, I have um, Luke earplugs. So they're like these earplugs that block out like, you can still hear your kids talking. You can still keep your kids safe. You can, you still know what's going on, but it's just like, is a buffer of the noise. Mm. So like just using those throughout the day are good or even listening. Some people enjoy like a sound, even like a calming sound. Other people that's still over stimulating. So mm-hmm. it's, it's trying different things that work. Sometimes you just need that background noise. Sometimes you need the plugs. I also like to talk to people about like, when things are loud and we're overstimulated and we go into fight or flight, it feels like an emergency, right? In our body, it feels like I need to escape. Mm-hmm. And some, and it feels like we need to fix whatever's happening, right? So let's say it's a toddler having a tantrum that's triggering you. Your kid mm-hmm. is screaming and all you want to do is scream back at them because we know logically that's probably what's going to make them stop the fastest and our unsafe body wants it to stop as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we need to look at it and say, is this actually unsafe for me to leave? Because if it's not unsafe, I can go into the bathroom and Mm -hmm. close the door and put a towel over my head and make it dark and plug my ears. And in four minutes when I come out, as long as, you know, your child, you know, you know, they're safe, whatever. When I come out, I can actually deal with whatever's happening in a logical manner because fight fight or flight you there's no logic like you can't like you're just like the sound needs to stop and you need to end Mm -hmm. and so I always recommend to people like you're allowed to take breaks you're allowed to walk away Mm -hmm. as long as someone as long as your child is safe like you can do that and normalizing that I think so much as moms we're like we got to push through I shouldn't feel this way so I'm going to pretend it's not happening and then what happens you end up feeling 10 times worse and that's when you end up yelling Mm -hmm. because value our own need for rest or our own need for quiet or our own need to regulate that's when we lose our cool so Mm -hmm. it's like coming to that acceptance of like this is a hard thing let's deal with it rather than just like trying to push through and then feeling ashamed Mm -hmm. yeah oh yeah I need to get those (laughs) earplugs they're so good I hadn't heard of those yeah um that is really really big for me um in those moments is to say I'm really trying to keep my cool right now. I need to take some breath. So I'm going to go in my room for a couple of minutes. And I always make sure to tell them that because yeah. I don't want them to think that I'm just like abandoning them and like yeah. shutting the door and I can't be around them because they're so bad. So yeah. I try to always make sure to tell them that. And then they, because I'm telling them that they tend to kind of use that time to calm down also because they're yeah. like modeling me, you know, it's so beneficial, you know, like I said to my kids, I'm like, you know, something's happening. I say, I don't feel calm in my body right now and I need to feel calm. So I'm going to go to my room. And when I come back, we'll talk about this. Yeah. So it's not just explaining it to them. It's showing them how to regulate month or next year Mm -hmm. when they're doing that, that in this house and in their life, it is okay to say, I don't feel okay. I'm going to go to my room because otherwise how do they know that that's a tool in their toolbox unless we model it to them? Yeah. Yeah. They copy what they see. Thank you so much. So there's a few short questions that I end every show with. The first one is if you could hug your younger self right now, what would you say? Mm, If I could hug my younger self, I would say it's going to be okay. 
Mm. Which sounds so cliche, but I spent a lot of years wondering if I would ever feel okay. Yeah. I would have needed to hear that. If you could have the whole world read one book, which would it be? Mm. Oh, that's a tough one. It would be by Brene Brown. I mean, I think they should read all her books, but yeah. you could probably start with Braving the Wilderness. Mm. I haven't read that one. You should. Mm. If you could whisper one phrase to everyone on the planet, what would it be? Give yourself some grace. Mm. And then lastly, how can people connect with you, follow you online and see your work? You can find me at Diary of an Honest Mom on TikTok and Instagram and on my website, www.diaryofanhonestmom.com. That's where I am. Awesome. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. I, um, I really can't thank you enough. And I know there's so many moms that probably do this every day on Instagram, but you are just a giant permission slip. And I'm sure that a lot of moms also before coming across your content just thought there was something wrong with them or that, that, that this, um, was normal and then normal in a sense that like they just have to get through it that like there's nothing that can be done about it and then coming across your content went down actually a healing path and in that are becoming curse breakers so you really are such a light and so much medicine and I'm just so thankful <laughs> thank you so much I appreciate you having me on the show <sighs> I know that we squeezed in a lot um, in, in one hour and we were talking about overstimulation and listening to all of that in one hour can also feel overstimulating. So, um, I hope that you are able to resource in this moment and take a breath and, um, digest it all because, uh, like she was talking about, I, I don't want it to just become the noise in our heads and then, um, you know, feel more overstimulated instead of feeling relief. So I hope that I hope that this episode can feel relieving to you and that you can take a little bit of quiet time now to just um, sit with what resonated for you. And I also want to end with um, something that my teacher told me or, or that she told the class a couple weeks ago in, um, in my tapping and my emotional freedom technique course. She said that when it comes to children, that they are geniuses at figuring out how to puzzle piece into our life because they want connection with us so bad and they want to be in our life so bad that they will puzzle piece themselves into it. So that can look like um, if we are holding the story of a victim, they can become the perpetrator. And if we are holding the story of the perpetrator, they can um, take the story of the victim and it becomes this like dance of they will become whatever it is to fit into our life and so that that really for me like it just made me understand it in a different way and also made me want to um, make sure that you know before picking them up from school that I'm regulated and I'm not in perpetrator mode or I'm not in victim mode. And um, I'm in the mode that if they puzzle piece them into it, it we're both in a peaceful state um, because, you know, it is, there is um, so much a part of this is our responsibility in, in modeling for them. And that's not to add to the guilt, but actually to add to the, the empowerment of it. So I hope that makes sense. Um, I'll thank the affiliates, the best toys for sex at dameproducts.com. Code Jade gets you 15% off. Uh, my favorite, as you guys probably know, is the AIR, A-E-R. It creates thrilling pulses of air and a soft seal around the clitoris so that you can go all the way so many times, as many times as you want, as many times as you can handle. Um, so dameproducts.com, code Jade, 15% off. I like to pair it with my wand or yoni egg from pleasure wands i'm sorry from wands.com w-a-a-n-d-s.com they have a really beautiful wand that has a flower in it that i keep meaning to purchase so if you use code jade for a discount you'll get 10 percent off but i i if you click the link in the show notes you'll actually get 20 percent off um so you click the link and use code jade for 20 percent off so double double the discount all right and then all things 
CBD at directtemp.com, a better way to CBD code Jade for a discount there as well. And then all things infrared at higher dose. And I love the sauna blanket, the bioenergy mat for grounding. And I also love my infrared face mask. I need to use that more often. Um, it's really convenient. You just tie it to your face and you can do whatever you want. It's, it's um, portable, but yeah, I need to use that more often because I know when I was, I, I could see a big difference in my skin. So that's Jade 75 for $75 off. Thank you guys so much for tuning in, being on this journey with me. If someone crossed your mind while you were listening to this episode, it's likely that they would benefit from hearing it. So send it along. And if everyone listening to this would hit subscribe and or leave a review, it would make such a difference you guys, on the guests that I'm able to book and on the um, affiliates I'm able to land to, to make money doing this, which is a dream of mine. So please, if you wouldn't mind leaving a review and hitting subscribe, you can also join me on Instagram at Untamed and Unashamed Podcast. As always, be a light, stay open, and remember, you belong here. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.